Let's um, let's prepare to worship. If you want, if you want to stand and get ourselves. Psalms 35. Psalms 35. Oh Lord, fight those who fight with me and attack those who attack me. Grab your small shield and your large shield and rise up to help me. Use your spear and your lance against those who chase after us. Assure us with these words, I am your deliverer. May those who seek my life, our life be embarrassed and humiliated. And may those who plan to harm us be turned back in ashamed. May they be like the wind-driven chaff as the Lord's angel attacks them. And may their path be dark and slippery as the Lord's angel chases after them. I did not harm them, but they hid a net to catch me, and they dug a pit to trap me. Let destruction take them by surprise, and let the net that they hid catch them. Let them fall into destruction. And I will rejoice in the Lord and be happy. Because we say this morning, Lord, you're our deliverance. With all our strength, we say, O Lord, who can compare to you? You rescue the oppressed from those who try to overpower them, the oppressed and the needy from those who have tried to rob them. Violent men have perjured themselves and falsely accused us. They've repaid us for evil for the good we've done. And they've overwhelmed us with sorrow. But when they were sick, I wore sackcloth. And I refrain from eating food. If I am lying, may my prayers go unanswered. I mourn for them as I would for a friend or my brother. I bow down in sorrow as if one were mourning for my mother. But when I stumbled, they rejoiced and gathered together. They gathered together to ambush me. They had tore us without stopping to rest. And when we tripped, they taunted us relentlessly and they tried to bite us. Oh Lord, how long are you going to just stand there and watch this? Rescue us from their destructive attacks. Guard our lives from the young lions. And we will give you thanks in this great assembly. We will praise you before a large crowd of people. Do not let those who are our enemies for no reason gloat over us. Do not let those who hate us without cause carry out their wicked schemes. For they do not try to make peace with others, but plan ways to deceive those who are unsuspecting. They've been ready to devour us, and they say, Aha, aha, we got you. But take notice, Lord. Oh, Lord, do not... Do not take and be far away from us. We ask you this morning to rouse yourself and wake up and vindicate your church. May God the Lord defend our just cause. We ask you to vindicate us by your justice, O Lord. 
Do not let our enemies gloat over us and do not let them say to themselves, aha, we have what we've wanted. And do not let them say they've devoured us. May those who want to harm us be totally embarrassed and ashamed. And may those who arrogantly taunt us be covered with shame and humiliation. May those who desire vindication shout for joy and rejoice. And may they continually say, and maybe you say this with me, may the Lord be praised. For he wants us to be secure. And we will tell others about your justice, Lord. And we will praise you all day long. It is found in you. 
joy outside of him, no happiness outside of him, no peace outside of him, no gaze outside of him. Everything we could ever want is in him. Oh, it's only found in him. It's only found in him. And everything I've ever wanted, it is found in you. It is found in you, it is found in you, it is found in you. Everything I ever wanted, it is found in you. It's found in you. For the strong and able, you are the kindest. Oh, my sweetest friend, you are the avalanche that falls upon us in the end. Come and fall, come and fall, come and fall, come and fall. Come and fall, come and fall, come and fall. Oh, you are the avalanche of goodness. And everything I ever wanted, it is found in you. It is found, it is found in you. And everything I've ever wanted, it is found in you.
Everything I could ever want It is found, it is found in you Father of lies, handing down gifts from heaven Oh, Father of lies, Father of lies Father of lies, come down Like an avalanche, come down Like an avalanche, come down Everything I wanted, it is found in you. My one, my constant, my king and brother, my home is ever where your heart hovers, my one. My constant, my king and brother, my home is ever where your heart hovers, my one. My constant, my king and brother, my home is ever where your heart hovers, my one. My constant, my king and brother, my home is ever where your heart hovers, my one. My constant, my king and brother, my home is ever where your heart hovers, with you my home my home is with you my home my home is in you my nation is in you my heart is in you oh avalanche avalanche oh my one my one constant my king and brother with you when the dares run its course you are the goodness oh my sweetest friend you are the avalanche that falls upon us in the end
This is the lie the enemy tricked mankind with. There's something outside of him. That's what he told Adam and Eve. It's what they believe. This is the lie. There's something outside of him. Something you need to strive for. Something you need to have happiness. Something you need outside of him. But everything you've ever wanted, it is found in him.
perfection on you, Jesus.
there's a healing issue in the uh, room, and I, I can't speak to who, the, who may have this issue. You may not even know. Um, so someone, someone in here, possibly someone, there's an issue with an aneurysm. And uh, that's a very serious situation. Uh, I just had to look it up because I don't know, but it says uh, it's an excessive localized enlargement of an artery that's caused by the weakening of an artery wall. And um, I don't know, like, if you if you have this issue or think that you have this issue and you want to come forward to pray, we'll pray over you. And then maybe this could be like hidden because we wouldn't know if there was a if someone had an aneurysm. But if, if you don't come forward, we're just going to pray together because someone in this room possibly could be dealing with that. And that, that's a very serious thing. Does anybody have an issue with aneurysms or... Laura? Okay, do you, wanna, do, you, do you mind coming forward and then... Anybody else, aneurysm, a situation with aneurysm. And if you do this with me, if uh, you feel led, if you'll come and lay hands on Laura if the Lord leads you to just to pray over her. The weakening of the artery wall. Phil, are you coming up for prayer or are you pray? Okay, you're praying with. Okay, thank you. Jesus, we come on uh, behalf of what you're calling out in this room right now, and we pray for healing. We know that everything is under the blood, Lord, and that your blood's purchased our healing, Lord. And we just pray for Laura Gross this morning. We ask you, Lord, for complete healing over her body. We ask you, Jesus, to strengthen the artery walls in her physical frame lord just thank you lord thank you just just pray thank you lord we thank you jesus we thank you we thank you for the blood that brings healing stay just stay with this
you're having trouble with joint pain, if you want to come over on this side, if your joints are bothering you, you need, and you want healing in your joints, just come up and stand over here. We're going to pray for joint pain. If you're dealing with pain in your joints, there's more than one in here. I know that from the Lord. Joint pain. Don't just come forward. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Lord, for your healing touch this morning to trust you in the area of our joints. Oh, we pray, Lord. I pray for oil. Oil. Let the oil of gladness flow in the joints. Let revitalization come in our joints for full mobility in this room. I ask you, Oh, for joint pain. Liberate us, Lord. Liberate our knees, our hips, our arms, so that we may praise you and glorify you. Hey, just stay here. Release your healing, Lord. Release your healing, Lord. Release your healing, Jesus.
the mighty healer. Every precancerous or cancerous condition must bow the knee to the name of Jesus.
chapter 3 verse 19 all those I love I rebuke and discipline so be earnest and repent listen I am standing at the door and knocking if anyone hears my voice and opens the door I will come into his home and I will share a meal with him and he with me I will grant the one who conquers permission to sit on a throne just as I too conquered and I sat down with my father on his throne the one who has an ear hear what the spirit is saying to the church Listen, we've been here many times, and many of us in the church have been up to this place. And many times, many times I've found that this was a place that I would draw back. But this is the place. This is the place. You put your attention on him right now. This is that place. He's knocking. I want into this place in you. Oh, and all the promises of God are yes and amen. All the promises of God. Every promise I've seen him fulfill comes through this place, right here at this door. It's knocking. I want you Lord, more than life itself. I want you, Jesus.
Spirit, come, come, Holy Spirit, come, come, mighty rushing wind, stir things up in here, stir up our hearts, stir up our hearts to worship and praise and to know you, Lord. Come, Holy Spirit, you're all we have. Guy chapter 2, verse 4, even so. Take heart, Zerubbabel, says the Lord. 
and take heart, Joshua, son of Jehoshadak, the high priest, and you citizens of the land, says the Lord, and begin to work, for I am with you, says the Lord, who rules over all. Do not fear, because I made a promise to your ancestors when they left Egypt. And my spirit even now testifies to you. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> well, as we've done this before, I just want to give a little bit of a everything good. I just want to give a little bit of a debrief uh, over the worship. Um, as you know, I used to fly aircraft, and we would always brief, then fly, then we would debrief, and I like to give you a little bit of a debrief and overview of our worship set so that you come into the framework of really what's happening when we're engaging with the Lord. <clears throat> Number one, and this is going to be taught, and this is going to be taught in this house, but one of the things that when you come into worship, <clears throat> the first thing is distraction. And so, you know, you, you come in from all different walks of life. We've all got different circumstances going on. And that's, you know, that's, that's commonplace for us to deal with things. But one, two ways that we can get distracted in worship. One is ourself and what we're going through personally. Number two is the people around us. And I've found that in, when you're engaging with the Lord in, in his presence, generally, always, there'll be a disconnect that has to happen with you in relation to how you view yourself and how you view others around you or how you think they're viewing you. And you'll find it, you'll find sometimes that's very easy. You'll just be immersed in, in the love. But sometimes it's, it's a war. And in Psalms 110.1, it says, And the Lord said to my Lord, sit until I make your enemies your footstool. And everything that is coming at you is an, an enemy in that situation because uh, the, to connect to the Lord takes like dove eyes. Dove eyes, doves have no peripheral vision. And so... It's kind of like the, the horses, too, where they would put those flaps on the side so that they would stay in line or stay in the row. Well, when, when you enter into the presence of the Lord, and this, you have to be intentional. You know, some people think it's not intentional, but it is. You, you're bringing honor and respect and glory to him. And so there's this intentionality of, I'm going to release everything. I, I've found in prayer or in worship... Sometimes there's things that you need to get done ahead of time. And if something keeps nagging you, like there's, there's, there's just different things. You may need to go to the restroom. You, know, you may need to take care of one thing. You may need to go hug somebody. You may need to 
offload something. But if you do, go ahead and make that happen. Because you can't engage with the presence of the Lord. At least I've never been able to until I go to what I term blank slate. Blank slate, what it is, is I'm posturing myself in humility, saying I'm fully dependent and I need your help and I can't do this without you, Lord. And there, there's this washing that happens. And so uh, when we were going into the first song, I, I saw the first door going into the uh, inner, inner sanctuary, and I saw some of you, like, going ahead and moving in. We got about 35% in that first door because a lot of people hang out in the outer court of the temple. And so we had, we had that happen, and you can feel... A transition, you'll feel it in your spirit. There'll be a more of a corporate agreement that begins to happen. And uh, you, you might think we're a little bit wild up here, but don't look at us. Look at him, because that's what we're doing. Uh, it's just a attention to him, and you lose your sense of cognition of yourself. And, and so that, you know, some of you might need to let go of yourself. And um, I know how you feel. It used to scare the living daylights out of me because it's like you're losing control. But allow yourself to lose control of yourself. Uh, because that, what you're doing is you're saying, I'm not going to eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil anymore. I'm going to eat from this tree of life and I need you. So you're acknowledging your full vulnerability and dependence. And what you might feel is a sense of like a shame or something coming off of you. And, and you'll begin to look at him. Now, we did that. For the most part, this room has done that. I would say we're 65% to 70% engaged. And then what you'll experience is the, you'll feel a drawback. And what happens in the drawback, when the wave pulls back, you'll feel it in the whole room. The whole room will feel it. Don't get afraid there. But what will happen is your person is going through a new searching. You're kind of like scanning. And you're looking for support. And you won't find support in anything of this world. And you're, you'll feel that, and that's the whole room's drawing back. And it, what it's doing, what your soul is doing is saying, I'm searching, searching, nav-tracking until I find, oh, there he is. Corporately, you'll experience that, and then you'll start to watch. The wave will start rising. You'll experience a rise. And uh, you, did you not experience that? Yes. You'll feel it. And this is what we want to do is kind of give some technique to this, not because the technique will get you there, but so you understand when it draws back, you're taking a deep breath. And if you've ever done any risk, anybody in here ever risked anything, you know, like took courage, you had to run risk, it feels like that. You're like, where are you at? Where are you at? Where are you at? I'm going to lose it. I'm going to lose it. I'm going to lose it. There he is. You know, like that. He'll rush in like a mighty rushing wind will begin to come into your soul. Yeah. And for me, I get a little bit wild when that happens because I, I'll feel like a stream run through my whole body of God's spirit. And maybe you're experiencing that. Well, I can't kind of hold back very well. Maybe y'all hold back better, but I don't do very good holding back. It's like courage comes into your soul. You feel God. Then we did that three times today. Two major vacuums. We go into the third one. Now, I want to say this. We, we talked about this and we preached this and taught this, that God works from a position of presence and power or promise and oath. He's a God of double fulfillment. 
Like Job, when he blesses, he blesses him what? Doubly. Doubly. When he'll call eight people's names in the word, he'll call their name twice. And this end time move of the Lord, the move that we're in, it's going to require the second move, that, that, that other push. And you'll feel this, come on you, a sense of tiredness. It'll happen. You'll feel like you'll draw back a little bit and you, you'll feel, you can feel a sleepiness come on you. That's what happened in the Garden of Gethsemane to the disciples. And the Lord says, can you not stay with me one hour? Watch and pray. The spirit is willing, but the what is weak? Your flesh. In my flesh, you'll feel the weakness because your body is going through uh, a transmutation. Actually, you're going through taking on the divine nature. And your body is going through a, a transformation. Uh, uh, Peter talked about it. But when you're in these events, you're receiving from the Lord's nature being engrafted, imparted into your person. You don't want to miss that. You don't. You don't. That's why, you know, you might be, how do they keep going? You know, what are y'all doing? It was like, don't want to miss that second movement. Every uh, blessing I've ever seen in my family's life has been we would go up, promise of the Lord, I believe you, Lord, I believe you, I hold the line, I hold the line by faith, nothing, nothing, nothing. Second movement. I've done everything I can do. And then the Lord's like, let me deliver. Right? That's the gospel. That's the oath. And when that happens, everything that you secure in faith is done like that. Like, for instance, you have someone who's in your family who doesn't know the Lord and it's bothering you. You move on the promise of the Lord to secure their soul. And then it'll seem like that they're just like, there's no way. But if you'll keep on standing your ground and hold the line, and uh, Hebrews says, hold fast. Don't back off, don't back off, don't back off, don't back off. He'll meet you. And uh, Kara and I, we got into this kind of thing where uh, I was afraid at first a lot when it come up to these kind of movements. And it's like, you know, you like take it, you know, like, oh, you know, suck in all your air. But we started to get this joy about wait for him, wait for him, wait for him. And this is called expectation. I'm expecting my God to deliver. And everything's telling you he's not, it's not going to happen, but he gave you a promise and you're going to secure your promise. Now that's what we're doing in worship. And that's just a little debrief to kind of help you to understand why we're doing this. Because what? We're equipping you to live like this all week. This isn't like something you just do here. You do this in the mountaintop and in the valley. You do this in your life. This is the lifestyle of a believer. All right? Amen? Amen. I agree. I agree. Okay. Yes, Lord. Yeah. Amen. Thank you, Tom. Thank you. Thank you, beautiful congregation of the Lord. Well, let's um, let's take an offering. This is an exciting time. I I get I get so excited about giving now because like the Lord just He said, "Try me in these things and see if I won't open the windows of heaven, pour out a blessing on you you cannot contain." Because the Lord's trying to bring us into different containers, a bigger expansion, because He wants to 
to take care of things that we can't take care of ourselves. And so, Lord, this morning we honor you and we bless you, Lord, in the uh, the fruit of what you give us. Uh, we ask you, Holy Spirit, to reveal, give us revelation in the way you view finance and the way that you see the bread and the seed. And Lord, I just leave all that up to you for your people. Bless your people in business, entrepreneurship, ministry initiatives, uh, creative arts, and and all the different desires that are in this room. In Jesus' name, amen. It's like when the worship of the Lord is like, man, just not, there's never enough. It's just like, we were made for you, Lord. Yeah, I mean, really. Well, let's all stand together. Turn to Luke chapter 3. Luke chapter 3 and starting in verse 21. If, uh, if you're new with us or visiting with us today, welcome. And we've been, we've been here since September the 20th. 
And we started in Luke chapter 1, and we're in Luke 3. So we're taking our time through the text because it's so rich and so vibrant, and there's so much to be said, and we, we want to just go through this together. The Lord, years ago, he said, I'm going to... I'm going to advance my spirit downtown Asheville, and I'm going to build a war department and a hospital and a triage unit. And, and we're, in, we're, in the, we're in the middle of laying a foundation together corporately for, I believe, a great awakening, a move of God's spirit. And someone say, well, Carol, that's very bodacious to say something like that. It didn't come from me. It's not me saying that. It's the Holy Spirit has a desire to save man, and he, Jesus will receive the inheritance, and he will receive his reward. Luke chapter 3, verse 21. Now when all the people were baptized, Jesus also was baptized. And while he was praying, the heavens opened, and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came down from heaven. Don't miss this. Don't, don't miss this. We run over these words so fast. But you are my beloved son. In whom I am pleased or I take great delight. Let's pray together. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, triune Godhead that even desires to participate with us, we thank you. We give you um, honor and glory this morning that you are due. You are magnificent. You are worthy of all of our affection. You've condescended, Lord. You didn't count it robbery to be equal with God, but you made yourself, you came in, you made yourself of no reputation. Lord, that we could just grasp the beauty of who you are. That you're both carpenter of Nazareth, but you're reigning king and ruling monarch. Or that we could grasp your delight this morning. That we could grasp you. That we could partake of you. That you did that for us. That you made a new and living way. You're not a charlatan, Lord. What you say, you will do. You love in deed and in truth. You just don't talk a good game, Lord. You act on behalf. You act according to the will of your Father. Where we pray that we would have a, I pray this morning, we would have divine revelation of your sonship. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated.
Last week, we saw that the Baptist is a peculiar man. He's out in the middle of the wilderness, not characterized like the leadership of his age. Nazarite vow, he's, he's not taking any wine or any kind of grapes or any kind of juice from the wine. He's got long hair. He's probably got on some kind of, you know, sewed up garment. I don't know what camel's hair looks like, like in that sense, how you'd make an outfit out of that. This guy is different. And we learned last week that, and I, you know, I've heard a preacher say this, that God will offend the mind to reveal the heart. We see that John is being presented, Holy Spirit baptized in his mama's womb. He's being presented as someone who's offensive to us in his outward appearance. John's, John had just finished saying, hey, listen, guys, repent. Turn, don't flee away from God's wrath that is to come. I've, for, I think most of my life I never understood John's message until I was up here preaching it. And I realized that when we're being confronted a lot of times in our life, when confrontation is coming at us, that there's this tendency in the human heart to push off and say, don't bring confrontation to me. Don't tell me what to do. I'm not going to shift my priorities. I'm going to go about my business the way I go about my business. Hey, I got my angle on this. And as Stephen was seeing it, I've got a box sort of in the way I view life. And, and John's saying, um, who told you to flee from God's correction? How many of you in here like to be corrected? Thank you for being honest. <laughs> I didn't know if that was just me. You know, correction sometimes is just, it just doesn't come off right. And a lot of people don't do correction very well. I mean, you ever had someone correct you and they, they try to do it easy and they're trying to slip something in on it. They try to make it nice for you or whatever, but you still feel this resistance uh, coming into you. And, and John, the Baptist is saying, hey guys, the Lord sees your duplicity and how that you've tried to arrange your life in outward appearance. And he said, who told you to flee from that? Who told you to run away from correction? Now, I don't want somebody to correct me. I, I got my own ideas about life and the way I'm going to do things. And so the Baptist is doing this. Now, we talked last week that we believe, I believe that John the Baptist, everything he did with truth, he did in love. And our family, and Kara says this, you know, <clears throat> truth without love is brutality. But love without truth is hypocrisy. Do you hear me? Truth without love is brutality. You ever just kind of felt the, the edge on you and you got to get your point across? And you feel yourself kind of leaning in on it. You got to let your truth be known. Maybe you've been hurt and you got to get that thing across and there's an edge. You can get brutal with it. Without love there, it's, it, it, it is brutality. But, well, what if you're just sort of loving but you never say anything? What if you never, you restrain yourself all the time when someone's doing something or violating social norms or violating things in life and they, or they've hurt you and you can't even go talk to them. You're having to bury it. It's hypocritical, actually. I think John is saying, look, God didn't mean for us to live like that. 
Who told you to flee from God's wrath? Who told you that? The Lord wants to take you out of your box. And folks, every single one of us have a paradigm and a perspective. <clears throat> People don't want to hear this, and I, I haven't wanted to hear this, but we all are, need transformation in our life, and we need to be uh, moved into a, a new dimension or a new paradigm constantly. It's called repentance. And now I want to define repentance for you that repentance isn't like, I'm pathetic. I'll never amount to anything. Repentance isn't guilt-driven. It isn't someone placing undue guilt on you or you placing guilt on yourself because you don't measure up. It's also not shame-driven. Well, if I could get all these outward things right, I'll finally be accepted. Repentance isn't like that. John's caught in a, he's caught in a path in and saying, listen, don't flee from him because, and we're going to see this in today's text, he delights. John told us in the text a few weeks ago, listen, throw, he says, if you have a tunic and your brother needs a tunic, go give him one. And I, I said, Lord, what does that mean? Well, I was preaching, he said, so many people are characterizing themselves in their outward appearance. And what I'm trying to do, John's saying, through, by the Holy Spirit is, Quit letting the characterization of your life be your pretentious outward appearance. He's saying if, if, you have, if you have this world's good, go bless someone else. He's saying give your resources to others. He's, he's saying don't hold on. John's actually making them candidates for Jesus. He, they're, they're becoming a candidate. Because Jesus is going to come on the scene here soon, and, and they're being prepared. I mean, you know, our culture today is unduly pretentious. You know, right, I mean, you know what I mean, a pretense. Meaning that if I have these outward things, they somehow will support and protect me, and therefore that's who I am, and it's based in something outward. But the genuineness that I, I believe every single one of you in this room, and really all of them desire... Is somehow being covered up and protected. John's saying, let it go. There's a man who's coming. Is his cousin. He's, I, I, I shouldn't even be able to get down and take his uh, sandals off. The most sort of, you know, they were in the desert and things. I shouldn't even be able to, I'm not worthy to even touch his feet. And what you hear in that is this great honor for the Lord. And so we're getting prepared. John's saying this, and then John's going to do something. He's going to move not just to the people and the Pharisees, but he's going to move into the political system. So John's going to address both the religious system, the Pharisees, the people, but he's going to also address the national government, Herod. I mean, you know in this hour, like right now, and I, I believe that the Lord's drawing the church out. Where there's going to have to be, and you're getting ready for this, you're going to have to stand where a political system is saying something against Jesus and a religious system is coming against the Lord. Uh, 
um, we're being drawn out by this virus. It's testing your families. It's testing our culture right now. What, what are you going to do with the crown virus? I remember years ago, the Lord in 2011, and, and you can look at some of our stuff on uh, podcast and Galactic Progeny, <clears throat> but in phase five, he said, I'm, told me in 2011, so I'm going to bring forth a crown reaper. I'm going to expose the duplicity of the left and the right. I'm going to show the hypocrisy of the legal system and the liberal system. I'm going to show it for what it is in the blues and the reds. Because I'm going to bring forth a royal family. Blue and purple mixed, blue and red mixed together, a royal, a purple family. And I, I want to bring some exposure. And I, and I think, Lord, you're, you're going to bring, the way he told me is it will be a crown reaper. And many heads, he said, will be wounded. Many heads. I, and I didn't know what he was saying. I'm just like, you know, the prophetic is kind of strange, you know, and it's odd. And I didn't know. And then so when the crown virus came out, I was like, oh, it's phase five. So I remember in the end of 2018, the Lord saying, see, phase three is switching globally. And now here we are at phase five. And I want to tell you this. I, I want to share this with you because I know phase six and seven, eight and nine and 10, 11 and 12. Because he revealed it. And what's coming forth on the earth is a grassroots movement. It's underground right now, but it's going to pop up out of the ground. And there's only going to be two orders. You either are New World Order or you're Melchizedek Order. You're either in God's order or you're in the enemy's order. There's no... The Aaronic order, the days of that order in the church and in politics and in economics is, if you haven't seen the writings on the wall, the whole thing is collapsing. There will have to be a global man raised up to deal with the global issue. And there will. His name's Antichrist. And he's presumptive or coming forth before the global man, the man Jesus Christ. It, right now, it's not time to play games with the Lord. John was saying it. Listen, the spirit of Elijah is coming on the church saying, get your house in order. He says, in the spirit of Elijah, I'll turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the children to the fathers unless I smite the earth with a curse. The Lord is interested in restoring the nuclear family. And as you can see, the other system is bent on destroying, right, the nuclear family. The Lord's taking us back, restoring what, he, he was sharing this with me this week, there's been a reformation for a restoration. I'm going to reform, I'm reforming my people so that I can restore them. Now I want to restore the family. Jesus will speak about this in Matthew 17 later on at his transfiguration. And he'll tell his disciples when he's transfigured and they see the glory of the man. It throws the three guys down on their face. And he says, don't tell anybody about this until resurrection. He said, Elijah's coming and he's going to restore all things. What was he saying? I am interested in the family. I'm interested in bringing the orphans out of orphanhood. I'm interested in taking the widow and placing them in families. I'm interested in pure and undefiled religion. I'm interested in that. 
And then that is God's order. John's a herald in the first advent. And listen now, there'll be a herald in the second advent. We, the body of Christ, the, the people of God, he will raise up this end time movement. Like, oh man, sometimes when you have a view of what's coming, oh, there's going to be a demonstration. And we're in the beginning days of awe. And I mean a demonstration of God through the corporate church. Well, maybe like nothing that's ever been on the earth ever before. It's going to make the Exodus look amazing. Yeah, but just even more. The book of Revelation. Jesus takes the scroll. Revelation 5 is coming. Now, how do we understand the mechanics of this end time move? Well, we see it right here in Luke chapter 3. Because God's first advent will look similar to his second advent. Now, he comes as a lamb in the first advent. What does he come for as in the second? Yes, king and lion. Now, one time the Lord said to me, he's like, I was preaching at the fire department. He said, you think the carpenter of Nazareth is offensive? Wait till you deal with a sovereign royal who owns everything and everybody. He's like, you think people are offended with me as a lamb? Wait till, they, wait till everybody finds out that I'm in charge of everything. You know, because a lot of people, we think we're in charge. You know, I, have, I can exercise my own will. And wait, wait, wait till everybody finds out that wasn't necessarily a good idea. What, what happens when everybody finds out? I should have like said, Lord, not my will, but what? Yours be done. I don't want my own will. You know, that whole free will thing, I, I, okay, but the Lord, we're in the bondage of the will when we're trying to ascribe to our own free will. You're bound in your own will if you're navigating your own life and saying, I'm going to do whatever I want to. The Lord came to set your will free, to bring you into glorious liberty, because when you come into God's order, you will and are free. Uh, John, you know, you, you think, that guy's crazy, man. He told the king of his day, Herod, your brother's wife is out of order. She's living a life of adultery. Now you want I said this last week, you want to make people mad, talk about their family. You'll get someone riled up, even your closest friends. You do not talk about another man's family. And John's over there seeing the issue of the nation, and he says, your brother's wife. She's doing things she's not supposed to be doing. You know what Herod did to John the Baptist? He throws him in prison. And you know what he's going to do? He's going to work this little conniving thing to give this girl dancing before him her whatever she wants. And you know what she's going to want? She says, I want his head on a charger on a platter. And because he's a king, he can't change his word, so he cuts John's head off. There's a confrontation coming, folks. You're going to be tested where your loyalty lies. Am I with Jesus? Yeah, thank you, Lord. Yeah, test us, Lord. You know, because am I with you, Lord? Or am I manipulating left or trying to control right? Am I hanging out with you, Lord? 
Am I doing what you say to do? Or am I letting social pressure adjust me or my buddies? Or am I going to stay and not justify myself except that my heart is chaste to the Lord? He said, the Lord's coming. He's going to bring Holy Spirit, Holy Ghost fire. He's going to burn up the chaff. Now, I like today's text, and that was just a little context for today's text. I mean, you can't really get into text if you don't have a context. If it is, it's a, I believe they call that a pretext. And I, I'm not, I, I like to have a context. What's the context? There it is. Now, let's talk about the text. Let's go through the text. Now, when? All the people were baptized. The Holy Spirit illuminates my eyes of this. Right when I look down at this, he says, do you see, do you see how I am? Do you see how I put others before myself? I mean, doesn't the king, doesn't he have, like, rights to get out in front of the people? I mean, these are the people he actually created. He's not just a king, he's the king. And yet, you don't see him putting his foot forward. I think I find this interesting about the Lord, and I mentioned it out of Philippians. He didn't count it robbery to be equal to God, but he what? Made himself of what? Listen, listen, there... My father-in-law was telling me yesterday, he said, you know, there's this man that would come to his shop and he was getting uh, radiator parts and other scrap metal and he's working around the, with this metal and he said he was just, you know, sort of plain dress and, and Billy finds out through that he, he needed a liver transplant and he gets a liver transplant and, and it cost him like $200,000 out of pocket. And Billy's eyes, kind of, you know, kind of looks at him and listens to him and finds out he had sold a few... A property at $93,000 an acre and 40 acres in the Albemarle area. And he's kind of like, you know, why is this guy coming over here and getting radiator parts? You know, he doesn't need to do that. And why isn't, why is he, you know, dressed that way? And he said something really interesting that struck me yesterday when Billy was telling me this. He said to him, he said, uh, you're my friend. And he said, uh, because you didn't try to rip me off. Because uh, he wanted a Mustang last year, and, and uh, Billy was offering him a fair rate. And he said, and I realize you're my friend. I believe in the scripture we call that a neighbor. My, my spiritual grandfather, Red Winters, he used to go around everywhere. I remember going to the dump over here in Hendersonville with him one time. And we go up to this guy, and he said, hey, neighbor. And I said, Papa, is, is that your neighbor? And he just smiled real big at me, and that real tender man he was. And I know he's right before the press of the Lord right now. And he said, no, son, but yes. I said, you know, like, does he live next to you? He said, no. He just smiled real big at me. I saw that tender man smile at me, and I, I knew that he understood something I didn't understand. The world had become his neighbor. And uh, like Billy's situation with his friend, he's, he had found a neighbor. He had found someone that was like him, that didn't put forth things before relationship. Jesus lets all the people, right, be baptized before he is. He didn't count it robbery to be equal with God, but he made himself of what? Hey, listen. 
and there's some beautiful people in here, and I've got to hear your testimonies, but you've learned the wisdom of no reputation. You've learned the wisdom of trying not to bring yourself forward anymore. You saw what that does. When you try to actualize yourself in front of other people and how it burns or how you end up having to hurt someone else or how envy and jealousy gets into that and how, you know, bringing yourself forward doesn't prove anything anymore. You realize you're hurting all the relationships around you. Jesus models for us in the text. He became a man of no reputation and he, as the king who actually didn't, wasn't just a king of those people, he's the king of those people, owns them, owns the river, made the river, made John, made everybody, says, y'all go first. All, all the glory of the man like this. I mean, if I could just know that, I, I feel like I felt this every day. You know, I'm in this repentance almost every day. Uh, you choose yourself again. Oh! Oh, Lord, sorry. And he's not like beats you up. You put yourself 40 out. Stop, stop. I'm sorry, Lord. Sorry, sorry. Will you just, will you go low? Not false humility. No, not false humility. But going, going to a place where you love first, where you're seeking the good of another, where you don't consider someone else, you don't consider yourself better than someone else or superior to someone else, arrogance. I like this as well. It says he also was baptized. <laughs> like he was in addition to. What kind of king is this? What kind of king is in addition to and not over? I mean, it looks like he's just one of the people. The Lord never wanted a theocracy or a monarchy or a kingdom where the king himself would be better than all the people. Even though in Jesus' case, he is. <laughs> in Jesus' case, he is without sin. Hebrews says that. In Jesus' case, he can feed everybody, make everybody, actually breathe the whole world into existence, and nobody even knows or recognizes who he is. He has all the power invested in him, and yet he's completely submitted to the will of the Father. You see, he doesn't even really have to be baptized. He does it for us. He said, he'll say in another, in the synoptic gospel, another one, he says, he'll tell John, because John will start arguing with him, this ain't right, man. It ain't right for me to baptize you. And Jesus will say that all righteousness must be fulfilled. I must be baptized. Jesus shows us the pattern of a man who is humble and meek. He shows us a man who is completely dependent on the Father, and when he has the right to bring himself forward, he will not. In the text, as we move on, it says, and while he was praying. You know, I was talking to you about worship. If Jesus himself is praying, before the window of heaven is open, and we are the sons and daughters of God, and we have been creating his likeness and image, what does that tell you? That we must what? Pray. Like, you can't bypass prayer. It's your path, it's your relationship to the very presence of the Lord. There's no, like, have you ever heard anybody say, you know, 
man, I started to pray when things got tough. Anybody ever done that? Ah, me, me, that's me. That's me. But what about just praying from a position of just enjoyment? All this happens in your soul as you grow in grace and grow in God. You just want to be with him. You just want to hang out with him. And you want him to get the glory. Like then you start losing yourself and you're like, oh, if you just receive all the glory and the honor, I don't even care if I get anything out of this. I want to, I'll wait a table for you, Lord. I'll do anything for you, Lord. That's some kind of beautiful spirit. I'm a bun- around a bunch of people like that. Heaven will open. I, I feel like, you know, like with Stephen when he was martyr in Acts, and Jesus stands up, heaven's open, his eyes are open, or John when he's in, uh, you know, Revelation 4, he says, behold, uh, I saw a door into heaven, and it says, come up here. You know, we look at this open heaven that Jacob experienced in Genesis 28. Later on, he'll be in Genesis 32 wrestling with the angel. You'll see another picture of heaven at the burning bush or with Joshua when he comes in and crosses over into the new land. You see this open heaven picture while he was praying, while he's in communion, while he's in fellowship. Listen, your revelation sits on the backside, on the other side of, of your intercession. Hey, Wendy Todd told me this one time. She said, it's better. It's better to get your, your understanding of the Lord by revelation than by situation. I'd rather any day have an open heaven than have to travel through some kind of hardship because I won't humble myself and walk in meekness. It's way better to let an open heaven bring revelation than it is to go into a situation and have to find out the hard way. I mean, you're looking at a man that's like bumped his head against so many things situationally. I think that's the only reason why I'm a preacher, because I've messed it up so many times. (laughs) Look at that guy. If he can do it, we can too. (laughs) It's true. Wow. Yeah. That don't work. Okay, we'll try that one. <laughs> oh, that would work. Let's just do that one. Right. Holy Spirit descends on him in bodily form like a dove. I had someone one time, they, they told me that there's no triune Godhead. And uh, I had a real problem with it. So I asked the Holy Spirit, I said, how do I deal with this? He said, take them to this passage. Because in this passage, if, if you're concerned, because Trinity, the word itself, is not in the Bible. But the understanding of the triune Godhead is right here in this text that we're in today. And so just doctrinally speaking, okay, in this text we see God the Father, the voice from heaven. We see the Son on the earth in the water, and we see the Holy Spirit descending like a dove. Three distinct persons as one. If someone tells you there's no trinity in the Bible, tell them that may be true, but there's a triune Godhead, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And take them to this text. That guy happened to be a male chauvinist. (laughs) He didn't have to submit to anybody except to his own idea. He tells everybody else what to do. Nobody tells him what to do. He's not submitted, man. He's doing his own thing because he was a Jesus-only guy. They call it oneness Pentecostalism or oneness Pentecostals. I don't know if any of you have ever 
been around that or seen that. But right here in the text, you can refute that based in the doctrine of God that's being presented to us. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. The voice comes down from heaven and says these words. Let's stand together. To hear this, because I want you to get a revelation of this. Stand up and, and an impartation of this, because this is the greatest impartation the human soul can receive. I don't want you to miss this. Posture yourself. Posture yourself for him. So many of us, folks, so many of us have been seeking to be known. Everybody in here wants to be known. There's not a person in here that doesn't want to be known. Some of the greatest delight you've ever experienced is when somebody got you. You know what I mean? When somebody looked at you and they saw you. You know what I'm saying? You remember that? Some of you experienced that in school as kids. Somebody said, I know who you are. I know who you are. And they see you. And you feel this care and love go out to you because you know that you have been seen. Someone believed in you. And they said, you matter and you count. Go back in your mind and think about some of the significant people in your life that when you came into the room, they lit up and they were delighted in you. Think about this with me. Because one of the greatest things that you can ever receive is delight and to be known. It's, 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 a, it's a great receiving. Many of us, we spend our whole days going around trying to get somebody to understand us. Some of us just gave up on it. But even more of us and said, well, I can't be understood, maybe. Or maybe some of you have dealt with aloneness. You're trying to get a point across to somebody, but can't ever get them to like understand. Again, some of you give up on that and you say, I'll never be known. I'm always going to be out. I'm always going to be left out. Some of you, you walk in a room, nobody even notices you. Some of you have relationships that you're in right now and you wish so bad that you could pour your heart out to the other person, but they just cannot hear you. Everything you say, it bumps. It's like a bump, 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 and you can't get through. Some of us have got so angry in this area. They were just like, I'm done. You have, you've hurt me so many times. I'm done. I'm walling you off. And I'm closing you out. And I'm closing all these other people out too. And live a life just in yourself. This is what I want you to receive this morning from him. Because this is, this is, oh man, this is the end of the age. This was John's apostolic ministry in the Revelation. son in whom 
I'm well pleased. <laughs> You're my beloved daughter. You make me so proud. You're my beloved spouse. I've seen too much of your idiosyncrasies that I'm not seeing through to you. You're my beloved child. You're my beloved grandchild. I see you and I love you. Yeah, but I did this and I did that. Know the delight of the Father. It'll release so much stuff off of us. You'll get so free out of delight. Delight is the place of freedom. They, this world has lied to us. They said, oh, you just throw off convention and everything. That'll get you delight. Be lawless. Yeah, who cares? Other side's like, no, get all your ducks in a row. Get all these things really pretty and right. And you'll be delighted in. No, no, no. No. Listen to the voice, not of the enemy. If you can hear his voice this morning, listen to him talk to you. Now recently, I had like, it was, well, it was about a year ago, my daddy comes to me in a dream. My dad's here. And I love him. And my love grows for him. Every day I get older. He came to me in a dream. And he had on racing apparel. And I was like, that's my, that's my daddy. And he had all these bright colors. And he looked like he was either like a, looked like he was some kind of race car driver or horse racer, but he was into racing or he was some kind of athlete that, that, and he was fit and he's looking at me and he's all, his skin's all dark complexion. He's smiling at me from ear to ear. And I say, I see who my daddy is. My daddy's a racer. And he looks at me with his eyes of light and love and all the beat down that's come from him and his life and what hurt him and all the rejection. I saw through to my daddy. I saw the way my father viewed my daddy. And I saw the great delight of my dad from the father. And my dad looked at me with that same great delight and was transforming me. See, we have this capacity in us to transform others around us when we live out of the delight of the father. And I want this. And he wants this for you. Yeah, you messed up. I messed up too. Go jump back up in Papa's lap and let him love on you again. Yeah, push delete again and get back in your daddy's lap. Yeah, I blew it. Yeah, I did. I said something south. I, I did something I wasn't supposed to do. I manipulated that. I controlled that. Yeah, I did. I confess, but I'm jumping back up into my daddy's lap because in delight, I'm transformed in delight. Our lives are made new in delight. We love and we're loved. And I want the experience of this and you do too. This is our journey. This is our path. There's such great delight coming down in the end of this age. Yes, there'll be evangelism. There'll be love unspeakable and full of glory. There'll be love characterizing in this age like nothing we've ever experienced. Reverberations of love. Oh, the movement of love. Oh, take the love. Take the love. Just 
like this, like I can't do this, like I need you. I need love so I can love. Because when I love you with all my heart, my soul, my mind, and my strength, I can love my neighbor as myself. I'm sorry, Lord, for not loving like you love. I want to love like you love. I don't want to count other people's sins against them. I don't want to hold things against people. I don't want to I told you so somebody else. I'm, I don't want to do it anymore. Oh, because he forgave us. He forgives us and he will forgive us. His grace is great. His joy over you is unspeakable and full of glory. Oh, you can get a hold of him. It don't matter what color your skin is. It don't matter what your background is. This is the king I come to know. He laid his life down so that we could find life. This is why we take hold this morning, Lord. This is why we reach up into the heavens and we grab a hold of you. And this is what he means, Isaiah. I'll draw you up into my spirit. I'll draw you up into my presence. more more I pray this over you more more oh how he loves us while Stephen's singing this song as you as you feel led just come out and we'll um, partake of communion together we'll take it as a family but just come up and 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 receive the elements and go back and then I'll lead you in communion.
the bread and he broke it and he said this is my body which is broken for you do this in remembrance of me in remembrance of me. May the Lord bless you. And may the Lord keep you. And may the Lord make his face to shine upon you and give you peace. Amen. Bless you today.